Good morning. Happy Monday. I have neuro coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. A very busy Monday coming up, but first a housekeeping item. Um, the dates for the intensive 20 um, had to change. And so that is now going to be December 8th through the 11th, December 8th through the 11th. Please note that for those of you that are still waiting to apply. Um, we've got a lot of applications already, uh, but because of the date change, I'm going to leave the uh, applications open until the end of the day today. Um, and then we're going to shut it down at that point because we're going to be way over our, our target number um, for applications. Um, so I appreciate you all that, that have applied. Um, apologies for the for the date change. Had to be done. Um, no no choice in, in this matter. Um, so again, if some of you can't make it, I apologize. We'll try to make it up to you in 2023. Uh, next intensive will probably be in March just to, to make a uh, mental note. Digging into today's Q&A, uh, this is with Taya. Taya's working with a client slash friend that uh, um, uh, had some medial knee pain and the typical representation, and we talked about this in the video, the typical representation we're gonna see in the circumstances of magnification of, of what would be a normal representation in the distal knee when we're in the so-called extension of, of the knee, which would be a femur that's centrally rotated relative to the external rotation of the proximal tibia. We magnify that, and a lot of times you're gonna see medial knee pain that would be associated with that presentation. Now, there's an additive bonus here, um, this, that this person was training on sand. What sand's gonna do, it's gonna prolong the yielding action that's associated with ground contact. Um, that can actually magnify some of the um, forces at the end range is going to create a fluid shift that could potentially magnify this situation as well. So we have to uh, account for such things um, in regards to training. Um, so again, just gives you some ideas of what you might be up against when you're dealing with those folks with medial knee pain. So thank you, Taya, uh, for bringing this question to the uh, Coffee and Coaches conference call. Everybody have an outstanding Monday, and I will see you tomorrow. Where are you? There's Hi, sir. Hi, um, I just have a little follow-up on this knee discussion that we just had, mm -hmm. and it's regarding the late representation of the knee. So when someone has pain on the medial side of the knee when they try to extend it, I'm just curious whether it's that the over, like too much of a twist in the tibia that makes the fluid shift in the anterior medial part that causes the pain. Um, so yeah, it, generally speaking, the generally speaking, the orientation, the orientation that you're going to get with medial knee pain is going to be the the in it's it's an exaggeration of the normal representation. Okay, mm -hmm. so so typically you're going to have femoral femoral IR relative to the tibial ER, but if I magnify that relationship, that's where you're going to start to see the the uh, um, potentially going to see the medial knee pain. That would be the orientation that would be most common. So I'm guessing because I'm just asking uh, because uh, my friend was sprinting on the beach. They uh -huh. were barefooted. And uh -huh. then she started to feel the pain on the medial side of the knee while straightening it. Yeah, I'm just uh, curious. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, so take a normal, here you go. Like, think about this. She didn't have knee pain before she ran on the beach. She did not, but she had that knee ACL operated a few okay, years but, back. Okay, but, so. but point being, point being, 
She didn't have the knee pain prior to running on the beach, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if she lands, if she lands in, in what would be a normal representation, but she can't control the rotation and the rotation becomes greater, right? So she doesn't capture that middle representation, mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. so she's pushing through a late representation of the knee, which magnifies the tibial, tibial ER, femoral IR. That might be why she has the knee pain. So it's the same mechanism that, so if she had an ACL on that side, tell her to quit running on the beach. I, I did. Okay. I mean, that, talk about great doctoring right there. It's like, uh, every time I run the beach, my knee hurts. Like, okay, don't run on the beach, right? And step one. It hurts when I do this, doc. Yeah, don't do that. Problem solved. <laughs> so I'm just guessing that one of the mechanisms that would help with, would be to learn the transition of the tibia over the ankle to capture that medial uh, right so, you, so you're going to try to have her hang on to some of that that tibial ir that we were just talking about that she probably doesn't have or can't access it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and we've talked a little bit with uh with uh um with zach um about acls and then how the the axis of rotation of the tibia changes after the surgery and so so she may not be able to control that um, which unfortunately could predispose her to a, a, a re-injury. So we have to be really, really careful with that. So yeah, I would, mm -hmm. I would be work. Do you work with her or do you, are you just friends? She and lives in Africa. So yeah, <laughs> not so much. Not so much? Okay. Um, well, yeah. not in person. So yeah. yeah. Well, but you, and again, there's, there's ways that there's ways to access that internal rotation. Mm -hmm. um, but again, some of your exercise selection is going to help with that. If, if, yeah, you're coach, yeah. if you coach her at all, yeah, just make sure you get the tibial IR. Okay, uh, okay. I'm just guessing that um, because when she runs and she doesn't have that medial P representation, I'm just guessing that she's already so late that she is not able to capture. And I'm guessing when she steps, the medial arch doesn't go down, it just goes straight into late and on the toes. Yeah, so so she, she'll she'll kind of go around her middle representation. Right? Oh, okay, on the outside of the. Uh huh. Oh, uh -huh. Okay, okay. Uh -huh. I get it. I get it. Yeah, okay, okay. yeah, because she she she's not capturing she's not capturing all the medial stuff. Now she can still push down into the ground. So this is the thing you have to be careful of. And this, this is stuff we talk about all the time. It's like remember, IR is going down. It's downforce. So if she can't capture a true middle representation of the extremity. She will still push into the ground. She's going to orient her pelvis forward. She's going to take an ER foot and jam it into the ground, but the tibia is not going to follow. Mm -hmm. So she's she's still in this this later representation of, of of tibial ER trying to push down into the ground. That's bad news, right? She never captured the IR position. So that's what I would be working on with her. Okay. okay. Yeah, so you capture, you get the early tibial IR first, and then you teach her to hold on to her ground contacts and push up into middle, so she can push down into the ground. Mm -hmm. Okay. Would would it be also helpful to first uh, teach her to just uh, capture the foot contacts with only heel elevated? Wow. Um, if if you need to to capture the early foot representation. Are you talking about just the heel? Yeah. Okay, that's a late foot. 
So I know, I know, but I was just curious whether it would it would be good to teach her just to capture the foot contact or if she already has that ER representation of the foot, it doesn't have to right. just feel um, elevated and the, the the goal would be to, to try to get her into that early foot representation first. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Ex- hang on, hang on. The exception to the rule. Okay. Are you, are you in a coffee shop somewhere? Yeah. Are you are you are you are you wearing regular shoes? Uh yeah. You okay? So you won't be able to see your feet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. If you when you get home, take shoes off, stand in front of a mirror, look down at your feet. Your feet. Yeah. The, the I've your feet. Goes into, I have seen yeah, your feet. Yeah, I know. Feet. I know. Okay. So you're the one that has to put the little chip underneath your heel mm-hmm. because you're because you have a bony IR change mm-hmm. that you have to that you have to create the adaptation for. I don't know what your friend's foot looks like. So if she's got if she's got a foot that looks kind of like yours, where you see the calcaneus is twisting into IR, then you use the strategy you just described, which is that little bit of heel elevation, and that's going mm-hmm. to her to untwist her foot. Now you got a great foot that can capture the early representation. You understand the difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If she if she has already the ER representation of the foot, I'm just pushing her away forward. Right. You don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. So you want it because mm-hmm. she's already kind of there through the knee. You got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to capture. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You want so you want that early representation, which would be like a whole foot on the platform thing, not just the heel elevation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. I have Neuro Coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Digging into a very busy Tuesday. Uh, quick housekeeping item. The applications for the Intensive 20 are now closed. Um, thank you to all of you who have uh, applied, um, especially with the uh, little little date change. So remember, this is going to be December 8th through the 11th um, for the Intensive 20. Digging into today's Q&A, this was Zach. This is a continuation of a conversation that I introduced um, in, a, in a, a segment last week. And um, Zach is doing a, a return to play with somebody that, that that's uh, coming off of an ACL, not ready to start a lot of plyometric activity through the lower extremities. But there are so many things that you can be doing to prepare this this athlete or client um, for these activities that will be coming later because of the the mechanics that are going to be involved proximally. You can actually start to work on those. And so this is what this discussion is about. So we actually um, go through some possible options and ways to address these internal mechanics that are gonna be necessary when it does come time to add the lower extremities back into it. It will be a time saver and you will see much greater progress if you start thinking along these lines. So thank you, Zach, for bringing this up. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday and I will see you tomorrow. Think about this. If you've got a concentrically oriented outlet with an overcoming um, connective tissue behavior, you're going to have to restore some of the connective tissue behaviors as well. All the more reason, all the more reason to start doing your medicine ball work in the high box position. Like I said, protect the knee, start working on the outlet behavior. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, so you can do drops, you can do fake throws, you can do all that kind of stuff that's going to give you some outlet behavior.
Get it? Got it. Well, I think I get it. Anything about it, but probably ask you about it again next week, maybe. Okay. So if our trampoline is pulled too taut and the springs are too tight, mm -hmm. so you, you walk out onto the trampoline and it feels like a wood floor. You need to soften up the springs a little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. you get the, so, you, so you get the, the yield that she's going to need, right, to help throw the guts up off of the trampoline. You can start doing that right now, literally, because the same thing we were just talking about. It's like you've, you're, you've got her seated on her heels, right? So you've got an outlet that's sitting on this, on this box that you can influence, right? You're going to do it through the remainder of the axial skeleton through the upper extremities, but it's the same outlet behavior that she's going to need when she's up on her feet. So you develop it now. So for her, like needing more yield, starting like fake throws. Yeah. Or, 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 you, or you do a drop that she has to decelerate, the, you know, like, like literally she's in a high box position. You hold the ball up above her. She has to catch it and slow it down. Yield into the box, right? How, how would you do something like, so I've done stuff like that in weight bearing where like they can use the excursion of the extremities to help yeah. create, create like the longer yield and yeah. eventually transition that into like a higher rate yield where there isn't much movement at, after the catch really like, I'm, I'm picturing her on a box right now with that how do i start with a slower rate that would be indicative of the yield that I, like you know, i feel like you almost immediately have to be in a higher so it's just it's the arm it's the arm movement yeah but see here's here's the thing here's the thing you you, you just made a comment that you need to just alter your perspective a little bit. You said that you've done this in weight bearing. She is weight bearing. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. You just got to see where she's bearing weight, right? So again, it's like it's like I I need axial skeletal behavior to go in that direction eventually, right? Well, yeah. I need to do that now. Just because she can't bounce across the ground through her legs doesn't mean that she can't bounce across the ground. Just just because she um, uh, can't yield through her lower extremities doesn't mean that you can't start to bias the yield of those behaviors through the axial skeleton. Ah, the advantages of understanding your iterative anatomy. Yeah, I guess I was just picturing like the, like without actual like true like translation of like the skeleton through space, like I'm just having arm movement that I wasn't necessarily getting that, but I, that was misguided. Okay, so um think about that she can't stand up on the trampoline yet and i'm talking about a real trampoline like the bouncy bouncy thing to get the yield right okay so how can you how can you keep her in the seated weight bearing position okay and and magnify the yielding capabilities what can you do just like instead of a box like set on like or like put a foam pad so you take the box and you put a pad on it. Absolutely. So then you just increase the duration of the yield, right? Yep. So, and then you want to start to affect rate. You take the cushion away. Then you put it on the hard box, right? And then when it's time to stand her up, look at that. She's already got the, she's already got the mechanics 
proximally that she's going to need to manage the extremity. You start doing this kind of stuff, you're going to see a faster return because what, what has happened in the past is people ignore these proximal mechanics until they start standing them up. Then they start training the extremity and the proximal mechanics together when they could have already trained the proximal mechanics, already have those intact. And then when they stand up, they don't have to worry about the proximal mechanics. Now it's just, just attaching the extremity to the rest of the body. You see it? Yeah, so with something like that, like I think it's easier to, I won't say weight bearing, but it's easier to see when you stand them up, um, like whether they're capturing the positions yes. that you want. Yes. Whereas like just based off of even just like the little bit of information that I've provided now, I kind of have an idea of like what type of stuff she might need in a seated position. Yes. Is there something that I'm looking for to let me know like whether she's like capturing it in the moment yes. or like making the favorable adaptations that I'm looking for? Or is yep. it kind of just like an educated guess based nope. off of her presentation? Nope. There's a test. Is this where you tell me what that test is? Well, it, okay, let's make this like crazy simple, my friend. She's gonna train in a seated position for axial skeletal stuff. Mm -hmm. You got any tests in a seated position? For what? For anything. Do you have any tests that you do in a seated position for the axial skeleton? Like seated rotation? Hey. How useful is that now? Okay. Now you start to see what the dealio is. Like, why do you do a seated rotation test? Because I need to differentiate between lower extremity mechanics and axial mechanics. Oops. You see it? Yeah. Yeah. How do you differentiate, differentiate between a proximal limitation and a distal limitation? Just curious. Seated rotation test versus... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever seen somebody that kind of turns pretty well when they're standing up on their feet and then you sit them down and then they, uh, right? Yeah. That's it. That makes a lot of sense. Got some stuff. That's why we're here, Zach. Um, guys, one more follow-up back to just something force like that. I'm sorry. Alex took your, your question time, so... Thanks a lot, Alex. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, pylon versus funnel. Yes. Looking at A to P translation. Um, if we're if we're going to control for like wide versus narrow, so let's just say like they're both wide. Gotcha. Um, would I expect to see more A to P translation in the pylon because they're going to need more time to push and roll through their foot. So that's probably just going to send them forward more before they're now transitioning upward. Uh, okay. we got a couple things going on here that we have to, we have to talk about. So um, the, the, the bias for the, for the, for the pylon is going to keep them on the ground longer. Yep. Okay? Right. And then, then we got to talk about, okay, what is the degree of anterior-posterior compression? Case in point. Case in point. Let's just say two wide ISA archetypes, both pylons. One has greater posterior compression than the other, implying that, I, that, that one would also have a lesser degree of anterior compression. So they're still moving forward. OK, 
okay? If I have anterior compression, the, the one that has more anterior compression is already forward. You, you understand that? Like they're already bumping into a wall that they're trying to stop from going forward. The other one still has room to go forward because the anterior compression is less. So that one might be, they might be further forward for everything, but they wouldn't necessarily show the shift because they're already there. Yes, sir. Makes sense. Because they don't have any space to translate anymore. The other one does. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. All right. You see the difference? So, <laughs> so one, one is, is literally in a position where they cannot release the energy. Like they're literally, they're, they're, they're going down to hold their center of gravity inside their base with support. They will not spring back. The other one has room to, to move down and back up because they can translate their center of gravity forward and back more. One is changeable, one is not. And one has a gradient, one does not. Do you see the difference? Yep, absolutely. This is why, this is why your extremity measures are going to be really, really helpful because it's going to say, oh, she's just further forward. She's already pulling herself down towards the ground to stay inside of her base of support. So she's, she's the compressed spring that can't release. The other one has a gradient so she can compress and release more. You see it? See it. The gravity's already pushed down. Who's gonna have the lesser degree of descent? You see how you gotta put the, you just, you take your measures, you take the archetype, you see the bias and you say, okay, this is what I think is gonna happen. And then you confirm your suspicions with your measures. Yeah, yeah. I I guess where this conversation went is just being better about putting all the different pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. Hook line cross connects. Um I think we stick with like a, a narrow situation. I was thinking about like triangles versus rectangles. Uh, I'm thinking of like, so in a narrow situation, um, just, just for the sake of sticking with a hook line cross connect, just thinking about the shapes. Huh? Um, if I'm trying, cause, right, because the, the, let's say if this person, like I, they really need to go left first. Okay. So, yeah. In that situation, if I'm if I'm trying to have them find their foot cues, let's say they can find their foot, yep. all their stuff, they're good with that. I was yep. thinking about the reach. Like one bit, let's say if they go to reach and they're going for like that opposite knee. Yep. Uh, I guess I had sort of two questions. Is is one is like, is it okay if they? Because I've always thought like they need like expansion. I mean, I know we're trying to bias it, like expansion on the front of the right side if they're reaching with the right to the left knee. Mm -hmm. But like, if they're if they're sort of like bound down, they don't get that much. Is it? I'm not really. I guess I'm not sure. I'm just. I guess I'm trying to think you're of gonna, like the hang shape. On, hang on. So, so you're you're throwing out some some words here that we have to add meaning to. What is bound down? Um. Yeah. Good call. Um, <laughs> I just don't know what you mean. I, I guess this is something I haven't been been sure for a while. Like when you go to reach, so I know when I feel it on myself. Like even if 
and if I see someone who's able to like keep a scap that's like depressed, like they're not doing a like an anterior orientation to get that reach over yeah. to the left side. Yeah. Like if they if you're feeling like like any like sensation, something if you feel any sensation in the pec, whether it be like especially like a like a contraction, like you're feeling like tightness, like it turning on, uh -huh. wouldn't that be like closing the compartment? Yes, it would. On that side? Yes, it would. Okay, so that that'd be indicative, like they're not they're not ready to do that yet. Or could I change? Okay, so the setup is wrong, coaching cues are wrong, clients not ready. Okay. So so, so that's that's what you figure out in real time. Okay, right. And, and again, because the, the setup the setup does matter. It's like so if you so if you create. If you create a foot contact that is results in an orientation, would you expect you would you expect a favorable outcome in regards to the execution of the exercise? No, because the sequence of events that would follow that would have to would have to would they would be iterative. Like literally, you're going to create a situation all the way up through the through the actual skin, unless unless you know how to bias it to create a local effect. Then I'm okay with that, right? And so then you, you so you have to make that decision. It's like what what are you trying to do? And then the cues and the execution follow suit, right? It's just like when when you're when you're mobilizing a joint, and you don't want you don't want propagation of energy associated with that mobilization, right? I want a local effect. Like I, I'm just trying to keep this local. I don't want it to spread out. I don't want to dampen the the influence. You intentionally restrict movement. You should. You should intentionally restrict movement. Let's put it that way. A lot of people don't, and then they wonder why it doesn't work. But okay, this is this is no different. It's just an intervention, right? And so you just have to decide. It's like what what type of an execution am I am I going for here? Am I trying to get a local effect where I'm going to intentionally constrain? Or am I trying to get a, a much more global effect and I'm unintentionally constraining the system? But you'll identify that in execution. And if you can't identify it in execution, your KPI will show you. And then if you're if you're paying attention, you see the unfavorable result and then you see the execution and you start putting things together as far as oh this is how you problem solve so it's like oh i need you to do this instead of that or i need you to i need to pick another exercise or i need to do something else first right yeah and that and that's how you that's how you evolve the process Good morning. Happy Friday. I have Neuro Coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. For those of you on the two-week sprint, this is your rest and recovery weekend. Time to look at your priority and make sure your projects are on track and you're making progress. Um, take this opportunity to plan out your next two-week sprint to make sure you are moving forward um, in regard to all things that are important to you. All right, digging into today's Q&A, this is with uh, Steven. Steven's new to the uh, Coffee and Coaches Conference call, um, but came in with a killer question. He's working with some elderly folk, 
that have a diagnosis of spinal stenosis. Um, spinal stenosis is nothing to get terribly excited about um, if we can look at this from a shape change perspective, because that's what it is. So it's no nothing different from anything else that we would work with. We just have to understand how this thing arises and then what strategy would you, we would use to promote the favorable shape change. So some of the rules that have applied um, since the beginning of time, as far as what they would teach you in school, are still useful in regards to, to understanding why we might um, avoid certain things. For instance, we don't want to induce more internal rotation into the spine because spinal stenosis is based on the fact that this spine is trying to internally rotate, thus the shape change. Now, when working with the elderly, we have adaptability issues. So they're not, they're not gonna be as adaptable as say somebody in their 30s and 40s, um, when you have somebody in their 70s and 80s, but the principles still hold. So we're gonna try to take advantage of whatever adaptability they have remaining. But the cool thing about this question is, let's just say you do have somebody in their 30s or 40s, that comes to you with a diagnosis of spinal stenosis. This is gonna help you recognize um, why their symptoms may be as such, what shape changes that they're undergoing, and then how to address that. So again, thank you, Stephen, for this great question. Everybody have an outstanding Friday. Uh, podcast will be up on Sunday, um, per usual. Have an outstanding weekend. I'll see you Monday. Welcome to the call. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I have some geriatric patients who have um, some lumbar like stenosis, very bent forward. Yep. Um, and I'm wondering what your training strategy or. Okay. Is this extended care? Or is this the walking into the clinic kind of stuff? Outpatient. Okay. So they walk in. Yep. Okay. Um, when you say geriatric, how old? Um, 80 plus. Oh, hello. Okay. One is 95. Um, sweet. Yeah. So. Okay. That's a, that's a side question on. All right. You're in a bit of a pickle. Yeah. Okay. You have a very low adaptability, right? So you have dehydrated people, right? So we, we always talk about fluids and stuff like that and water, and you don't have a lot of water to play with here. Okay. So uh, you're a PT then I'm assuming you said patients. Okay, cool. Um, in school, in school, what did they say to never do with a lumbar stenosis patient? Extension. Okay, so that's an internal rotation of the spine, right? Why? Why do you not do that? To put more pressure on the posterior aspect of like those vertebral segments. Okay, I like that. You ever seen the a cross-sectional CT or MRI of stenosis? Um, I have not. Okay, it would behoove you to um, find images of a cross-sectional MRI of spinal stenosis. Compare it to normal cross-sectional MRI, same level, same age group. Okay. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know how to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Um, let's say that this is the, this is the spinal canal. So the um, spinal cord is in there. Yep. Got it. Okay. So 
if this is the starting shape, hold your hands up. Okay, what's the shape of your of your patient's spinal uh, uh, canal? No, not possible. Okay, okay. try again. Christian, hold them up. Hold it up. Give me starting conditions first, Christian, and then show them, show them where it ends up. Boom. Okay. Okay. So, have, so you, you've been following my stuff for a while. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, in, in what directions do we tend to get compressed? A to P. Awesome. Spine is no different. Okay. So what you get is you get, so here's, so you get, you get, um, you start here, okay? You get ER orientation, internal rotation compression, ER orientation, internal rotation, ER orientation, internal rotation. So you end up with a spinal canal that looks like that, okay? That's why you don't drive more IR into the spine because they're already compressed A to P. They're getting wider side to side. So if you look at the spinal canals, on, on people that, that have been diagnosed with stenosis. You never see somebody that is compressed side to side that is getting that, that is under those circumstances. All stenosis is going to be an AP compression. Can I uh, interject something? Absolutely not. This is this is my call. It's not your call. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Of course. So an idea of mine was to lay him on his side. Uh, he's, he did say he's uncomfortable in that position due to okay. like, can you like modify that? Can you modify that? So maybe getting, so, so what are you asking him to do? What are you asking him to do when you lay him on his side? Uh, shape change and. Okay. Compress. But where, so where are you putting him? Like, where does he have to be able to go to lay directly on his side? Uh, let me help you here. Ever had those patients that come in and they go, I sleep on my side and I put a pillow between my knees. Yeah, sure. And they so go, if I, if I let my knees come together, I can't sleep. It's really yeah. uncomfortable. So relative hip IR. Yeah. So you got to move him. You got to move him into hip IR. Pelvis orientation has to change into IR and you don't have any, you don't have enough compression to create the AP expansion. That's his whole problem to begin with. Yeah. Okay. When I lay him on his back, he just flattens out like a pancake. Absolutely, it does because that's the shape of everything. So yeah. his axial skeleton is compressed A to P, but so is his spine. Gotcha. Okay. So you're going to have to figure out how to gradually reintroduce some form of AP expansion via some sort of lateral compression. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? Well, you can build up one side. So you, is, is he comfortable on his back? Yes. Okay. Do you have towels where you work? Yep. Awesome. Okay. You can start to induce um, the, the AP. So I take towels and I put it under one side of his pelvis and I put it under one side of his thorax. And that creates this gentle little turn that's probably still within his helical orientation. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I start to do this one side at a time. So if I can create that shape and it doesn't bother him, I'm creating the same shape inside the spinal canal. Okay. So, so he starts like this, you see this. Okay. Sure. And I build up one side. And so this, so this is the side that's going down to the table. 
this is the side that that is built up mm -hmm. okay i'm talking like you fold a towel maybe you quarter it you slide it underneath there it's almost nothing he goes yeah i'm fine with that okay so the towel and the wedge are on the same side yes sir so yeah i want i want it to go all the way up because i'm trying to i'm trying okay. to create i'm trying to create turns sure which will which will in an alternating manner create that shape yep and then that shape i got gotcha. you see the turn yep okay so i start to do this but see every time i do that i get expansion mm -hmm. right every time i do that i get expansion you see it mm -hmm. and so you're, you're basically just doing this 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 now, cool. what you may have to do, what you may have to do, if you put him on his side, if you put him on his side, you got to make sure that there might be something between his knees to keep him in that yard ER space. Yep. You see it? Yeah, we usually put a, a pillow or two in between. Yeah. Okay. And if that's comfortable, then he's telling you, he's like, I'm in my ER space. I'm comfortable here. But now you got to start to superimpose the, the, the ER and IR representations, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the same thing we just did on his back. We, where we built it up to create the position. Now we got him on a side. His his knees are open into ER space, and now I'm just going to do that, right? So these are the short arc rolls, okay? Mm -hmm. And just just like rolling out dough on the table, he's starting to get the AP expansion. So now you take advantage of the table pushing up. He's got to expand front to back. All of his innards are falling towards the table, right? That creates some of the the expansion. Mm -hmm. sequence a little bit of the of the the breathing on top of that so he starts to drive airflow towards the path of least resistance this is going to start to induce some of your turning okay the big limitation that you have here is an age-related change in um how how much water you have mm -hmm. okay so the bony representation has a lower adaptability you're going to try to take advantage of anything that he's got left and that will be your best case scenario. Okay. Everything is gradual. Everything is slow. Okay. And everything is comfortable. Low muscle tension. Okay. Um, don't ignore your, your manual skills to reduce concentric orientation because chances are he'll have a tough time. Mm -hmm. Right. So you might have to lay hands a little bit to get stuff to calm down or any other tool that, that reduces muscle rotation. Yeah. Like you can, you know, throw darts his back with needles or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, that's perfectly acceptable. You know, anything that's going to reduce that. Um, so I've, when I've laid him on his back in an attempt for, so I think I've, my thought process has kind of gone opposite to what you just educated me on. <laughs> Cause I was laying him on his back in an, in an effort to just allow gravity to pull him down uh -huh. and allow, cause he's got like, like his knees, like six inches off the table. He's got like hip contracture, knee contracture. Uh -huh. So I would just kind of like wiggle his, his knee to like slowly get it to kind of elongate in the um, hip and the knee uh -huh. stretch out. Um, Okay. So I guess. Okay. So hang on. So let's think about muscle orientation that's influencing this. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he's, he's just trying to fight gravity. He's trying, 
So gravity's crushing him, right? And so he's pushing up, but he's got to get into a position where he can capture some internal rotation. He doesn't have internal rotation straight down into the ground. Otherwise, he would stand upright. Mm -hmm. Okay. So make sure you're putting him in a position that, that accommodates to his limitation first, and then consider the muscle activity that is holding him in that position. Manually reduce that instead of trying to push him into a position, not pleasant. Mm -hmm. If he's feeling hard stretches under any circumstance, that's just connective tissue that he's feeling, which means you got muscle activity that's holding that connective tissue in a stiffer position, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a, if you have, uh, a limitation in traditional hip, hip extension, oh, sorry, choked on that one. Yeah. Um, that's IR, okay? And you got muscles that are holding that, that orientation of the pelvis to prevent him access to that space. So again, you have to reduce that. If you can get him into sideline, you can work on one hip at a time, Gravity is still working for you in regards to the pelvis position. Mm. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff you can do. Um, and, and I can't give you like the answer. The, the idea that you want to understand here is that you've got a shape, a physical shape that is the influence. Mm -hmm. Everything that you do is to chase the opposing shape. 